he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hello! Welcome to another episode of Bolotify, the one and only podcast about event, entertainment, and engagement. This is Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here with my one and only Bolotophile, Alex Ipostelidis. What's up? Hey, Gil. Happy Monday. On? Happy Monday in this first, first Monday of spring. Mm-hmm. First Monday of spring, and also the first first Monday, that would have been the first Monday last year, the anniversary of our first Monday in quarantine last year. Yes. And boy, what a difference a year makes. I mean, yesterday, this weekend, we were out. No, we weren't really out and about, but we did do some shopping, you know, at Costco and the regular, but people were out and about in droves. I couldn't believe it. I was a little scared, but I was also a little buoyed by it, you know? Because it feels like the end is coming, but you also say to yourself, the end is coming. Don't be so stupid now. I know, right? (laughs) So there's that, you know, going on in your head, right? Yeah, I'm a little, I have to say, I'm a little concerned because we're moving into spring breaks, college spring breaks. Um, And we know from last year, some of certain states didn't take it so seriously and it, there was a spike. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that maybe we'll have learned a little bit because, you know, just the other day, Saturday, um, went for a hike in the late morning and then cleaned up and then went and ran some errands like you. And I wanted to go and I wanted to go to a restaurant which I'm fine doing as long as it's safe and outside or for it's inside and there's nobody around. I'm, I'm okay breathing over your food. Right. Right. Um, but some of the friends that I were with weren't really comfortable doing that. So of course we didn't do it. Totally respect that. But I don't want it to be a, gosh, I would like to go somewhere and have somebody bring me dinner instead of me shopping and cooking and cleaning. Right. Um, and I'd like it to not be, such a heavy decision. Correct. You know, it feels anymore like those basic, wonderful, fun things that you used to do that were spontaneous are now a little bit there. It's almost like a life and death, literally decision. Yes. Well, when we, we took that comedy class and Kate's comedy was something about when did laughing and singing become so so bad for our health, you know, you have to worry so much about, you know, going somewhere, we'll be doing that. Uh, yeah, it's crazy, but we're almost through it. You know, it really does. It's an interesting time now because uh, we're, we're sort of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, right? And we're also, in terms of our business, we're, we're very likely close to going back to in-person events, at least starting in the fall, if we continue on this path. So what's interesting is that after a year of this, and after a year of us at 
Bolada looking for new options and creating options, virtual options, virtual, virtual, virtual. You know, after a year of this, I'm, I'm curious to just talk about what it is we have. And because it really isn't a lot. <laughs> if you if you ask me. <laughs> right? I mean, okay, for example, we have the genre of magic mm -hmm. and illusion and mind reading. Mm -hmm. And within that, we have a number of really talented people that we work with who have developed virtual performances, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we have, uh, what else do we have in this, in this genre that we use all the time? Uh, well, we did have uh, pretty successful and, you know, Santa. We had Santa, Santa, of course. That was fun. We did have Santa. Uh, we've had gaming, we've had mm -hmm. trivia, right? And we've had mm -hmm. all sorts of games come on line for us to choose from. Uh, we've had headliner performances, right? We've engaged in that, and we've we've we have produced that in the last year uh, with great success. But we've also learned about the tricks of that. It's not a one size fits all kind of proposition. Number one, right? And when you're doing it virtually, the knowledge, the, the familiarity of the headliner to the audience is even that much more important because you're getting closer, the engagement's more intimate. So uh, we've done some of that. Comedy, comedy to mm -hmm. some degree. You have been involved in something. I have. That is now taking, it sounds like it's take, starting to, uh, become very popular mm -hmm. uh, and that's the idea of the virtual murder mystery mm -hmm. right so do you, uh now you've been involved in the murder mystery and and as our listeners know alex is more than just a bolotophile she is an actress <laughs> and she's a voiceover artist she is a singer she is a triple quadruple threat if you Aww. ask me so she's been acting in these murder mysteries that have been uh, purchased, contracted by people all over the world. Yeah. So what kind of events have you been doing? There's so much fun. Um, a lot of corporate, mostly corporate. Mm -hmm. um, we've done some for colleges and okay. there have been private too. Okay. Uh, the college ones are fun. Uh, one night we... <laughs> This particular one, um, something, I don't know what happened on the other end, on the, this was on the college end, but we ended up doing it for one person and that kid wanted to play. And we did, we all played for that one, that one student. It was one of the most fun shows mm -hmm. I have ever done. He was so into it. So we had one junior detective. Wow. But yeah, we've done them for major corporations all over the world. So sometimes uh, I'll do a show at 6.30 in the morning. Sometimes I'll do a show at 1 a.m. Wow. And we're Pacific time. So everybody mm -hmm. has that reference. So you've done, uh, you mentioned mostly corporate. Do you have an idea of what what the audience is? Who, who within the corporate uh, domain you're actually entertaining? Is it 
frontline workers? Is it salespeople? Do you have an idea of, of what that is? It's kind of all over. Um, I would say it's mostly the administrative mm-hmm. and frontline. Okay. And, um, and so it's is it supposed to be a bit of a fun reward? Is that what this is for them? It's both. It's a, it's a fun reward. It's also a little bit of a team building because if we have, you know, 40 or 50 people on the call, then they go out into their breakout rooms to try to solve, you know, after they're given clues and after we've been interviewed, then they have to go and solve the mystery. And our detective kind of goes into each room for a few minutes, you know, they're given more information uh, but they really, you know, the, the ones that are successful are ones that obviously ask more questions during the interview section mm-hmm. where those of us are interviewed. Um, and so it, it's both, it's, it's fun um, and it's team building. And I, I, so far I've, all the feedback has been great. We often are sent letters, just they enjoy it. They want to come back. They want to do it again. And uh, so, and it's so much fun getting to play with them and, I personally love it because I get to play a not very nice person. Which you never do in real life. <laughs> I don't. I never get the opportunity. So, so so do you play the same character then whenever you're so and there are different scenarios that are sold, I assume. There's, yeah, there's there's uh three, possibly four. I'm right now I'm only involved in one show. So I'm the same character, but I could, if they needed me to fill in for a different character, I could totally do that. Um, and uh, because we're, we're basically given a rap sheet. So everything I do is kind of improv. Mm-hmm. You know, I know everything about my character. Um, and then there's the, I think there's three, possibly four shows that they have. And I do know we're developing more. And why is it improv? Why is that important? Because I never know what the the uh, what the audience is going to ask. They're right. interviewing me, right? And I you have don't to be quick. I have to be quick, so I, I know, know my character really well. I did get okay. This is funny. I got a question last week, and you know my character had been married for a certain amount of years, and she said, "So what year did you get married?" And I went. She said, my son, because, you know, a lot of these people are at home. So even though it's a corporate event, their kids are there. Right. So her son yells out, what year did she get married? And I thought, so my, you know, I was like, um, um, you know what? That's a really great math problem for your son. He should probably go in the other room and work on his homework and figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I couldn't like, how am I? This is year, 24 years. So subtract. You know? But you're but you're not very nice. So you can say, yeah, that's good for you to go figure out. Yeah. Right. You yeah. can deflect. Yeah. I mean, they'll ask me some questions like, you know, you don't seem very broken up about this. I'm like, I'm wearing black. What more do you want? I'm not the one who's dead. <laughs> I gotta so, go. <laughs> it's so much fun. I mean, you know, I bet it is. It's so much fun. I I just have a blast. I bet. I bet. So um you get great feedback. You've done mm-hmm. a variety of different kinds of clients, right? Some that are mm-hmm. in the, but the mostly mainline frontline workers. Great. I can see this definitely as a great um, uh, team building exercise. Uh, what are you noticing within the group of people that you're dealing with that there are people that are shyer or not as willing to come out? And, and is there anything that you do 
as a performer to help engage those people? So yeah, there's definitely those that tend to sit back. They take their more the analytical. They take a lot of notes. Um, sometimes we have groups that we actually have to stop them. We have to say, okay, we're out of time for, we got to move on to the next interview. Sometimes they need a little bit of prodding. That's where our detective is really key mm-hmm. because if he'll, he'll get the ball rolling, you know, he's going to ask questions that are going to lead to them wanting more information and wanting more questions. And then every once in a while, I've never experienced where nobody asks. Sometimes you may have a half a dozen people and they're the ones asking all the questions. Right, right. You know, it just, it's just, it runs the gamut. But our detectives are very good about, you know, pulling them out and joking with them. You know, it's all... Tongue in cheek. It's all tongue in cheek. And, you know, sometimes you'd hear this if you were like, wow, that's a rough question. But they are always laughing, always having fun. You know, he'll kind of make fun of them a little in a very playful, um, happy way. And this is done online, virtually through Mm -hmm. through a meeting tool, I assume. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so uh, the detective is also virtual. And so Mm -hmm. you're hearing it's all done uh, with... uh, it's all spoken another they're not necessarily using the chat or a chat feature they're all speaking right to one another the detective so you're hearing everything i'm hearing everything um you know i'm off camera and off mic but i'm hearing Mm -hmm. it all uh until i'm brought on because i'm especially my character it's a little bit of a surprise there (laughs) um but they do but it is funny i will keep sometimes keep the chat open to see when they're a really active group and really playful, I go and I want to read what they're chatting because sometimes the stuff they put in there is hysterical. I bet it is. I bet it is. So is the, are you ever the murderous in the plot? Does it change or is that, um, is it always the same plot line for your, in your story? In my, my story, it's a similar plot. It's the same plot line. I'm not going to divulge who is or who isn't the murderer, but okay. um, it is, it's a similar plot line. And um, yeah, yeah. So it's just a true story. It's not, it can be customized depending on the show you choose will depend on the, uh, the level of customization, you know, but we will always, we get dirt, we get a dirt sheet. And then we're able to call out just to make them more fun, certain people, you know. So the dirt sheet is something that the client fills out in advance to alert you to certain personalities that would be Mm -hmm. fun to use. Mm -hmm. Do you wear something in particular? Do you have a certain costume that you wear, makeup, hairstyle? Do you do any of that? Do you have to do any of that? What is that like? Well, I generally wear black, but I throw in a little bit of color. Um, I try to look very professional because my character is always coming from something. So I'm, you know, I'm being pulled out of something very important to be there for you. Okay. You're one of those. And, you know, then there's one character who's very sexy. Mm -hmm. It's not a particular costume that we're wearing, but it's just more, I mean, I could change it from day to day, but it's, it's a feel. Your attitude is your costume. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Especially because you're only seeing, you know, right. the neck up. <laughs> so what, so do you have a, uh, I know we have green screens. So do you set that up for this? Do you have a green screen background and a certain, so what is your background? Is it a lush palette? You know, what is it? Is it something lush and fancy? 
it is. It's it's a very beautiful. I found and it, and I change it depending on the time of day. So if I'm doing something where I know there it's nighttime for them or it's nighttime for all of us, I change my background. I have a background where it's it's beautiful, but it's a it's a twilighty um, outside, and it's it's a very it's a mansion basically. Of course. So that's what. Yeah, of course, of course. It's of just course. my own backyard, you know. Of course. <laughs> so I do I do change that out depending so i have three or four different backgrounds um that i change and the um the other performers Mm -hmm. are they trained actors such as yourself Mm -hmm. so these are all professional actors that have training this is not about a mom and pop well i shouldn't disparage any mom and pop this is not about untrained unprofessional people coming together yeah. Uh, the group has, and you are, you're having a major success. How long has this group been in existence? They've been around for a long time. They actually were very successful doing live events. They'd have mm. them almost every week, uh, a lot up in the Bay Area. Ah. So here's one of the pluses of this whole thing for me is that I'm getting to play with this really amazing group of people. They become like a second family to me. So supportive of one another. They're all very talented actors, but if it weren't for virtual, I wouldn't be with them. Right. So we have people in in Spokane, we have people, no, in Washington, um, we have people in San Francisco, in LA, in San Diego, all over, and we're coming together and we have, you know, there's different groups, there's West Coast and East Coast group, I'm part of the West Coast group, and I've performed for East Coast as well. Um, and, but we're, we're a really tight little family now. That's great. That is great. Well, we will talk more about murder mysteries and other options, uh, as we move into live events coming back. Cannot wait, but we have a guest with us that I've been wanting to have on the show for a while. Well, we're really lucky that we've had the opportunity to work with our guest as a client. Uh, she's just a lovely human being. And, you know, COVID has made virtual a necessity, but she did virtual before virtual was popular. She's been working on virtual meetings, I think, for like five years. So she's heads and shoulders above a lot of people on this. Uh, and her position is very unique and interesting. She's She's responsible for a particular group of clients in a large organization, but with more than one client factor. Uh, And like many of this, she's been doing it for a long time. And she too happened into this role. You know, sometimes we start with a company. We don't really know where it's going to go. We find ourselves doing something and excel at it. Mm -hmm. And she's the queen of that. Um, She works with her. Oh, oh, this is fun. I love this. She works with her faithful companion, Butters, who is Mm -hmm. often seen by her side. I've met Butters. (laughs) You're very lucky. You're very lucky. Yes, I am. I am lucky. (laughs) She's warm. She's thoughtful. She's an absolute delight. So I'm super excited. Let's welcome Denise Desjardins. Hello, Denise. Bonjour. Hi there. Hi. Hi. You're looking very well. Very well. Thanks. You do. You've actually been doing these virtual meetings longer than anybody that we know. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is the fifth one this year that you're doing, right? Which puts you ahead of the pack. 
Was it a place that you thought you'd see yourself ahead of the pack in this way? I, yes, I would say I knew that we were ahead of the pack uh, when we started um, with it. Um, I guess I would have expected people to catch up probably a little bit quicker and not be forced to catch up. (laughs) Yeah, you would think, right? That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> you um, you were kind enough to talk to Alex before the show, and um, she uh, talked to you a little bit about you know how you fell into this role, and uh, that it was sort of foisted upon you. And then after a while, you realized, oh, I'm pretty good at this. So I'm curious to know what what it is that makes you good at what you do. Um, I would say that um, change, the ability um, to adjust to change is probably the biggest thing. Um, in my job, I am allowed to do things uh, without fear. Um, I have free reign to sort of do what I think is the right thing. Um, and I guess my company trusts me that I, at the end of the day, have their back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those factors really do uh, make a big difference in being able to try new things and, um, you know, forge ahead with, without that too much fear. Uh, some fear is good, though, of right. course. So do you look for changes? Do you look for challenges? Do you, are you the person that gets tired of the same old or do you find comfort in that? That's a good question. Change in the company that I work for, uh, change just comes. So um, you got to be ready for it. It happens often. And um, but it would be interesting if if I did the same thing over and over, would I be looking for something new? I would say I would uh, for sure. For sure. I do like a challenge. um, And and I guess um, I do like the change as well. Now, this job in particular that I'm doing, I don't want to change because I love it. Um, there's enough change within the job, enough um, excitement and things that I don't know within the job that keeps it um, constantly exciting. So, It's one of the things that I admire about you, quite honestly, is your um, your ability to accept change and your willingness to accept challenge and uh, the way that you approach a challenge, which is, I think, very thoughtfully. Uh, When I was talking to Alex about you, I said, I don't think Denise is anyone that does anything capriciously. Uh, You're a very thoughtful person. And that's one of the reasons I think you're so good at your job is the thoughtfulness and the mindfulness that you pay to your clients, those who rely on you to help them remain engaged and also educated. Uh, so it's it's remarkable. I have so many more questions. Okay. okay. <laughs> so with that in mind, how, how do you come to work with an open mind every day? How do you do that? Um, how do I come to work with an open mind? Um, I guess I'm always trying to find new things to do and to 
push the envelope um, and to not have things status quo. And I guess it's in the, the industry that I'm in uh, really forces that. And then through all of the years that I've been in the industry, it's become second nature um, that you cannot stay stagnant. So um, if I wake up in the morning, uh, I am I am someone that stays in bed for 30 minutes um, every day. Uh, the pandemic has been wonderful Ooh. for that. Sometimes it can move into 45. <laughs> and, uh, and I plan and I dream about the things um, that are possible. And then really just try and make something happen and uh, run my ideas about some of the key people that I work with that I truly trust um, to tell me the truth and to say it's possible, it's not, and and you would be an example of that, Anthony. Um, you know, with and, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later on uh, about the guests that we had at the virtual event. Um, I remember sitting in my car and and saying like I you've given us an opportunity. This is my thoughts. Oh my God, do you think we can actually do it? <laughs> um, and I think that's what, that's what keeps me having an open mind is that I continue to have success with that. Mm. And you uh, give yourself, way of doing it also sounds like you give yourself time in the morning to collect your thoughts, to breathe, to strategize for the day. And I don't know many people who do that. That's got to be one of those lessons that you learn. It's a success. It's a lesson of success because you're preparing yourself. And you know, you're not sleeping until doop, the alarm clock rings and you have to jump out of bed and get your day going. You yeah. give yourself that time. Yeah. You are absolutely right. And it, I think it's probably, it's not thing I've really ever thought of but I can't stand it the other way. I can't stand for the alarm to go off and have to get out of bed. I, I Then I would have to set my alarm half hour earlier so that I have that time to really, um, you know, really get the day started on the right foot, I guess. It's well, it sounds like you start your day freeing your mind. You know, you think about everything, but then you're opening it up to all the possibilities instead of, you know, everything weighing her down, right? Weighty and hard yeah. and right. Looking for looking for solutions. Right. And, and would, possibilities. Would yeah, I think I think Alex, yeah. I think Alex actually nailed it on that. It is it is possibilities. What else? What else can we do? Where else can we go? Um, and I like to do things that um scare me every day, really. <laughs> it's a weird thing. I'm an introvert. Um, I like my alone time, but I also like to push myself. Um, and I, I guess I haven't really had a lot of failures doing it. So I just keep going and hope to God <laughs> that, <laughs> that I keep well, working. Even if, even if you stumble yeah. every now and then, it's a great philosophy to live life by, you know, it uh, it, yeah. it's, it's very healthy too, because it helps to keep your sane. One of my biggest uh, success uh, milestones uh, is getting 
to a point in life successfully without people driving you crazy because <laughs> they will. So how do you embrace your fear? How do you wrap it all up and hold it close and not let it debilitate you? Um, I think I ask the right people that will tell me the truth, um, run my ideas by them, um, ask different in different ways, really the same question in different ways over and over, trying to think of all of the possibilities and can I live with the possibilities? Um, if someone says no, then, then what? Can I live without doing this? Am I willing to try doing it in a different way? Is it worth it? Um, I think those things and just checking and checking and checking um, with different people in different ways, I think really at the end of the day, it gets the results because I've thought through it. Mm -hmm. And you said something that was so key. You ask a question in a variety of different ways. You find different ways to ask the same question, which is so important because you ask it a certain way and you get an answer based on the way you ask the question, which is what most people don't understand. And certainly young people coming up in this industry, specifically when you have to ask the question in a variety of ways to get the well-rounded answer you need. Uh, it's a great lesson <laughs> for people that you just can't ask the question one way and think you've gotten the answer or a full answer. Great. That's right. Because then you'll be surprised, right? By when it, when, when you haven't thought about something um, mm -hmm. and then that's where you run into trouble. Is what you don't know. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And all of the information that you're gathering helps in some way, whether it's a direct help or an indirect help, the information is important to know and asking the questions in a variety of ways. That's so key, you know, and, and I, and I sort of harp on that because in my own uh, business producing and, and asking people to do certain things, you know, what do we call it uh, when we give other people, people things to do? can't even think of the word right now. Delegating. Delegating. If I, I have to be specific. Delegating. Right. I have to be specific <laughs> in the way sometimes I ask them to ask the question because of exactly what you just said. The way you ask it will definitely direct the answer that you get. Right. And, and Anthony, I think you made a really good point with um, different generations consume and absorb information differently as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's that really is key uh, to really understanding and I think the benefits of being more mature. <laughs> to that, I'd like to ask a question then. Um, and with due respect, do you find that the younger generations are a bit more gullible? That wouldn't be the word I would use. Um, the word I would use maybe is more and, and 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 there's something to be said about it but maybe a little bit more black and white mm -hmm. um maybe less open-minded um thinking that maybe they know the answer or they've heard the question or they've heard the answer one way 
Um, but with age comes um, knowing that there's maybe different ways of absorbing that information or, diff or, or as we said, different ways of asking the question. Mm -hmm. um, so I think expanding on your thoughts with young people is probably um, much more critical mm -hmm. to make sure that they see the bigger picture rather than you know, the black and white, that show them the gray areas as well. And the other things that you need to consider as you're moving forward and making decisions. I find that in, in my life, there's a whole lot more gray than there is black or white. Would you say that's yeah. true of life in general? Well, and right. I found too, I think, you know, because I'm a mom of a teenager and, uh, you know, great kid, but they're <laughs> with technology, I mm -hmm. think comes a more two dimensional view of the world. Yeah. There's less three dimension. So right. I think that we, you know, it's, it's harder for them to see beyond mm -hmm. the black and white. Do you as parents- They absorb information in, in, in two or three sentences uh, or a quick two minute video where we absorb that and then would ask questions. Right, right. It makes me wonder if they're really absorbing it all or mm -hmm. if they are getting little pieces of, disparate information from all of these sources, because oftentimes they're in front of more than one screen, consuming more than one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. Do you, as parents, you're both parents, um, do you find that you're having to dispel certain things, certain beliefs that your, your kids have uh, on, an, on a frequent basis? Or do you find that, you know, they pretty much get the way the world is? Just a side question. You want to answer first, Alex? Um, I would say with Ileana, I'm actually surprised at the worldliness. Uh, I think she is much more sophisticated in her breadth of knowledge than I certainly was at that age. Um, I do tend to think you know, my dad used to have this saying, he called it third year apprentice syndrome. And that is you have just enough knowledge to think you know everything, but not enough knowledge to back it up. And I find that I, I find that because there's so much more at their fingertips than there was at our age, it took longer and a little bit harder work for us to gain that, that I think they, they form opinions almost too quickly. Mm -hmm and assume they're right a little too quickly. And yet I go back to the sophistication of knowledge that she possesses that I didn't at 16. Not to say I was a dummy because I wasn't, you know, but again, I, I didn't have access to information at, at yeah, the we had button. We had the dictionary. Yes. It's like Encyclopedia Encyclopedia Britannica, right? That's what we had. <laughs> if it wasn't in there, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I and I would agree very much with Alex. Um, I think uh, without question that they do know an awful lot uh, from the consumption of uh, you know media on Twitter, Facebook, and 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 through their friends even. Um, some ways I think it's concerning, um, you know, what's out there. 
especially in the last couple of years. But, um, you know, I also think that there's a lot to be said for it. So it's going to be interesting watching them come up into the uh, professional world. And, you know, I, I feel hard pressed to keep up with the pace that we were at before this pandemic. And I wonder if they're going to feel it more comfortable in that pace because the pace seems almost already faster for them than it was for us, right? Would you agree? I agree. I agree. The 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 pace is um, it's just exhausting. But then, strangely, through this pandemic, you would expect it to have become slower, but it hasn't. Mm. Um, it, it's almost become the opposite. It, it's almost too much. Um, the information overload and, mm-hmm. um, you know, quick snippets of sentences and changes with, um, you know, information basically about this pandemic. It's, it's, it's different every few days and it's a lot. It's a lot to consume and figure out for sure. It's a lot. It is a lot. And uh, have you been? On a side note, have you been vaccinated? Have you had the opportunity? No, um, so I'm not sure um, if you had mentioned, but I'm in Canada, so we are quite a bit behind. Um, just uh, this today, actually, people that are 75 and above are allowed wow. to get vaccinated. So it'll be quite, <laughs> not that I'm that young, but it'll be quite a while, I expect. Um, yes. For- vaccines will get to to my age group so so in canada then that's going to definitely have an impact on the meetings and the conventions and the coming together right because you won't relax your rules as we will here in the states i assume what are you looking at do you have an idea of what uh, canadians are looking at in terms of coming back to life as it was so my my gut says 2022 and probably a not a lot before that. Um, I just attended an industry um, virtual event, I guess, or a virtual session on where tourism is expected to go. And certainly the U.S. has is, is got a the much faster paced, um, and rightly so, right? With with vaccines um, really on on the fast track and a much more comfort level. Um, where my concern is, is when we have um, either global or North American events, is making sure that we and I and I will advocate for this, and I, I really will truly speak up for it. Um, is that we understand different countries and different um, comfort levels of people that are attending events. So, you know, when the borders open back up, um, we'll have to remember that, you know, a lot lot of Canadians have been in the house for for a year, no real vacations. Um, So it is quite a difference. So it's it's interesting. So, yeah, to answer your question about events, I think um, probably, you know, a little bit in the fall, but really more 2022. More of the corporate, more of the association event coming back in 22. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least there's a, an end point in sight at this, you know, at this time. 
Um, I'm, cu I'm curious, getting back to virtual meetings, because you've been doing them longer than any of us. At this point in your journey, is, are there any takeaways that you would be willing to share? You've been doing this for five years, what you're learning now and, and you know, anything at this point in your journey. I do, I have lots of thoughts. Um, <clears throat> so for the first four years, we were somewhat on our own to try things. And um, we had a, a couple of other companies that we were able to um, check in on and see about their, any successes and, and failures that they had. But now in this past year, um, I've been a sort of a, a virtual event junkie, just attending everyone that I could and really watching. Um, what are you doing that is going to inspire me that will um, make me really uh, excite me, um, disappoint me? Uh, because there's certainly been some of that as well um, along the way as people are learning. And I really have to be very empathetic that this has, you know, been forced on a lot of people very quickly. Um, so what have I learned um, from, a, I'll start with, I guess, the entertainment um, I think it's really important that you test and really understand the entertainment that you have and the audience that you have. As if you bring in entertainment um, and you're expecting people to uh, engage with each other, but they don't know each other. For example, doing like a cocktail hour um, and you're expecting engagement between customers that have all gotten together but have never met each other before. It's really important that your um, that your host is very engaging and can uh, keep the room um, interested and active without expecting them to engage with each, which with each other so much. So, I've seen that. Um, I've also seen you know when you're doing cooking or engaging with with people that way that you need to make sure that um, the audience can keep up with what you're doing. And something else that was that we got caught with ourselves was uh, we had a mixologist. So we got our drinks, we were excited. We had our spouses that attended with us. Um, but what we forgot is that our half of the people were from Europe and all of our measurements were not in uh, metric. So when we were saying, well, add, you know, half an ounce and add two ounces, they had absolutely no idea what we were talking right. about. And we, we, the event, <laughs> virtual event experts, <laughs> forgot that piece. Um, so it was, you know, we managed through it and right. we looked it up and, you know, we sort of made fun of it. Um, but <laughs> it's just such a small little detail that you would you kind of forget. Right. Um, That's where the devil so lives. That was, yeah. <laughs> that's right <laughs> I think I'm the only person that says God is in the details not devil no, no. <laughs> uh, a couple of other things I think that are important is when you do a solution center which is like a trade show floor um, and you have the ability to chat live with the people that are at the booths and, and you have sponsors that have paid a lot of money, 
is to set the expectations that sometimes it's a little bit funny to attend a virtual event trade show where you go from booth to booth um, if you are, if it's a bunch of salespeople, then that's a little bit different. They are going to maybe want to engage in conversation. But if you've got people that are introverts, it's not a natural thing to put yourself out there and to be prepared and set the expectation with your staff, um, not to be disappointed that this is just a natural experience, um, you know, based on different personalities and different engagement comfort levels. Mm. Um, where you really want to um, measure success in that kind of environment is through the downloads of your documents. And then you can see that people, although they didn't come in and talk to you, they consumed your content, which at the end of the day is an excellent um, opportunity for lead generation of getting them to learn without um, having that chat um, and, and then to also add on to that, one way to help that is to add gamification into your virtual event that um, because often introverts love those games. That brings them out of their shell. You get points to go to the booth to download documents. So you're encouraging that um, engagement and then also giving points and maybe big points to um, talk to an expert and that is one good way of sort of breaking that ice and and one other tip in there when you're doing that the the trade show floor solution center kind of environment is to also have some canned questions for your booth staff to engage the those um the people that come into your booth with uh hey did you know have you heard um, I have a demo, you know, did you, were you interested about this feature? Have you thought about it? So those kinds of things and not expecting that people just know how to engage virtually, um, especially when there's no video, it is just simply people coming in and out and you just see their names. It's, it's all a little bit, it's all a little bit different. So. And when you're manning, oh, I'm sorry, quick question. Oh, okay. When you're manning a booth in that situation, you may not know if somebody is there in the exhibit hall unless they come to your booth virtually. Is, is that a fair assessment? So you do get notification every time someone enters your booth. So it's an audible notification. So like a, like a ding. Uh -huh. And then you can see, oh, someone's entered the booth. And then you can decide um, how you're going to engage in one of those uh. maybe five or 10 questions maybe and you test the waters maybe you give them you know two minutes to get in and kind of do a little bit of looking and then say hey i see you're in the booth did you have any questions um so it's just testing what's the most comfortable for your audience depending on you know uh, who they are so that's not an easy task either no because there's a layer of right of of geography between us you know that it absolutely wow and you're sitting in your office as the booth uh, staff you're sitting in your in your home mm -hmm. office often um, in silence so you're actually attending this big event can be with like 700 people but you are sitting at home alone 
it's a very surreal feeling, mm-hmm. um, but need to be engaging and on and, um, but really you're just getting a little ding dong on your computer. And then all of a sudden that's your, that's your right. cue to, Hey, you know, <laughs> when you don't have the energy of the crowd, you know, you, you, we become a little lethargic and it's easier to right. have energy drain sitting in a room by ourselves. Whereas if you're physically at that trade show, you're energized by what's around you. Yes. No question. And you, question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Don't ask your question. I just have a question. It's for the introverts out there, because even though I'm a performer, I'm, I'm very, very shy. Do you find that virtual is a plus for people who tend to be on the more introverted side, the shy side? Do you think it's a, it's a more that they're more likely to attend than they might or engage than they would if they were live? I would say um, probably a bit of both. What we discovered, um, and and really another group that we work with had had learned this before, and then we got to test it out firsthand, and it really is true. When you have uh, in-person and virtual events and you offer them both, we get different people attending. We don't usually get the same. Um, you'll get the people that that like to travel and the hotel and that whole experience. Um, but then if that's all you do, you really are missing those customers that some cannot travel because they work for a nonprofit organization and simply would miss out on that experience. Um, so they, they don't have the funding is, is really a big thing. And then certainly, um, you know, the comfort of your own home and being able to come and go as you please uh, without video is also very comfortable uh, for, for some people that are introverts. I would think so because, you know, you can sort of, I hate to use the word hide, but hide behind, you know, the screen and sort of wander throughout the trade show without really being seen if you don't want to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I can imagine those people in my mind, not derogatorily, but I can imagine <laughs> them in my mind in a live trade show setting, just sort of meandering, wandering through the booths, but not really making contact with anybody, not not looking anybody in the eye, you know, that. So I would imagine it's easier online. And I would also imagine that as an as a supervisor or an owner, you would want more concrete evidence from your staff that they attended and maybe a uh, quota of leads if you're in a booth, because now as somebody who is managing that, you're fighting the the reality that people are at home at this meeting distracted likely and you want to make this successful you want sales to happen you want inquiries whatever it is you sort of i think need to sort of push them a bit is the feeling that i get as a boss you know unless you have a staff that you really trust and is motivated on their own i can imagine it's difficult uh to feel that people are being productive. What is your thought on that? Because you've been doing this for five years. Maybe people feel more productive because they don't have the travel. 
I I would say um, you're attending what you want to attend instead of, um, you know, having to sit through an entire day. You can look at the agenda and pick and choose what feels the most important to you. Plus, you are not missing out, um, you know, on if you had two important meetings um, that day, you could certainly attend those. Um, while still engaging in, in the event. So you're really kind of getting maybe the best of both worlds. The other benefit that I would really, I, I didn't add about virtual events is I believe it's very important to have the event open for 30 days after. Even if you can do it longer, um, that's even a benefit um, because if you didn't get to attend, if you only had the time that day to attend two or three things, but you really wanted to go back in, you have got the ability to do that for 30 days. You, you are not able to talk to, to you know, experts live during those 30 days, but it also gives the event owner the ability to just jam pack that event full of stuff because you know you attend the, you expect the attendee to attend in person the most critical things of the day and then come back we have a training center for example in our event where we offer all of this training well you can't do that all in one day our expectation is that you go in, you ask the trainer some questions live on the day of the event, but then you come in and out um, over time to take some of those classes. And then while you're in there, it reminds you, oh, I didn't attend that breakout, which actually goes along with some of this training. So you're getting a lot of bang for your buck. You really, really are. Um, and virtual events are really not that expensive. So when you compare, you know, the, the, right. Right. And the fact that you are keeping it live for 30 days after the event. So key, we've, we've talked about that completely 1000% agree uh, mm -hmm. that it gets you, gets you the traction, the traffic that you want, even after the event. And so which what makes important is looking at your reports, not just after the day of the live event, but continuing on through the life of all of that on-demand content, right? Because mm -hmm. you're going to continue to see it be consumed and likely get more uh, statement on it, more, more uh, response from it, I would assume, in that 30 days. Absolutely. Absolutely. We do a report uh, um, right after the event is over. We get reports really over the next couple of days because it gives you, you've put so much energy and work into this virtual event and you need the fix that you have success. Um, so that's, and I'm huge on that fix. I'm like losing my mind. I wanna know like the minute after it's over. <laughs> but you get the fix, you know, within those first couple of days, you can breathe and say, okay, we did it now. Let's see what else we can do because the door is not closed. The door remains open. You keep promoting that event on social media. Did you miss it? Not to worry. Register now. And you can keep people coming in and registering. And if you think about from a sponsor's perspective that has paid you money to participate in your event, at the end, they will get um, data and and 
contact information for the people that have attended that event for 30 days. You, you wouldn't get that in person. You don't get 30 days. You get the day of the event or the two days of the event, and that's it. Um, and something to remember as you're, as you're thinking about sponsors is to make sure that you're following uh, the GDPR rules and asking for consent to share that information. And we get a lot of contact details. So it is worth it for the sponsors. But if you forget to ask that question up front, mm. you can get yourself a little bit of trouble. But you also get that it's information too, right? As the owner of the event, you hand off to the sponsor and you see what the sponsor is getting. And that's incredible information for you, yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you for this year, um, we had a sponsor sign up before we even knew the date of the event. So they are wow. getting, we were just, we I were like calm it. and cool, right? <laughs> we were not calm and cool. <laughs> Has that ever happened before? <laughs> <laughs> so we know uh, this is the stuff that makes me get up in the morning, spend my half an hour and go, wow. man, like, what else can we do? We already got one before we got a date. Now, now how far can we take it? Um, so you, it's proof that our, the return on investment, we know we are providing it and we can speak with confidence to other sponsors about that return on investment, which is pretty, pretty fun. It is fun. It's great yeah. that you have that and that you can share that. And it's incredible knowledge, you know, to be informed that way in a regular trade show, you have no idea what the sponsor is walking away with. You know, you have no idea if it was valuable for them or not. And now in this virtual world, at least you have a clue. Wow. Mm -hmm. 5,000 people downloaded your information, your brochure. That's got to mean something, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's great information. Absolutely. I will tell you the first year, I can't remember if it was the first or second year, but they, they questioned us because we, we had more downloads from our virtual event than our company got in a month from downloads from our website. So it just, and we just had no idea, right? We were just, right. just doing the best we could. And then you just see these successes and you say, like, I can't wait till next year. And then right. and now this is year five and no, we're kind of pros. Yeah, you are kind of pros. <laughs> and you know, you have this also extra effect in keeping it open a month. And that is, you're engaging people for an, a month. So mm -hmm. they're coming back to you. And really, I think that's where we're going with our events. It's going to be maybe a weekend or a one week kind of thing, a couple of days, but the idea is going to be to keep them engaged yeah. all year round. Yeah. Right. And we're all going to be taxed with doing that. And you're already five years ahead, if not more, in making this happen. I have a client now that has gone virtual and we did their event in September. And these are people that could actually monetize their content now that they own it. And they've not. And it, it's frustrating for me because yeah. that's that's one of the one of the the 
possibilities we get with virtual that we don't get with live is that expanded engagement that doesn't require you, Denise, as the planner, to continue working hard 24 hours a day. You know, yeah. you've made you put it all together and now they're consuming it for a month. It's almost like theater. It's like now you can sit down and enjoy the fruits of your labor for a little bit. I yeah. like that. Yeah, we didn't, yeah. we didn't normally get that in our world. You know, as soon as it's over, you're thinking, how am I going to do it better the next time? And, you know, then you have a whole year to think about it. <laughs> really smart. Really good. Yeah. Um, so what keeps you up at night? What are the things you worry about at night? <laughs> I'd love I'd love for you to say nothing, but I doubt oh, that's no, that's hundred percent not true. And I hate to I hate to bring it to this. Um, for sh- for sure, it's this this pandemic is just it's pretty heavy. It's uh, and it's I think I think why it's bothersome to me is probably based on my personality of. I need my my time to put things into compartments to decide, you know, what the next plan of action is. And things change so often, and not only change so often, but change by region. And then you're trying to manage, um, you know, to because uh, I'm I'm pretty sensitive and empathetic to other people's. Uh, feelings and wanting for people to be comfortable and I guess and I also would like that back and I'm I guess I'm worried a little bit about how am I going to deal with with that if that doesn't work out Uh, I'm gonna have to stand up and and say no and um, for myself and I just hope it doesn't sort of come to that uncomfortable place that where we are all able to give each other the the, the respect and the time to come back together. And um, I just, that, that's, a, it's kind of a funny thing to be worried about, but it really does. It does worry me uh, for sure. So. Especially, then, no, go ahead, sorry, please. No, 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 no. no. I think, I think that was, that was the end of my answer. <laughs> I, I, I was going to ask um, from a from a working or business point of view, is that a concern uh, with regard to people's comfort having to come back when they may not particularly feel comfortable doing so? Absolutely, it, it, that is a hundred percent of a work answer for yes. sure. Um, that is it, all based on right. work, right? Um, because I guess I want to be a team player, hundred percent. I want to be. When we're all in, I want to be all in. Right. And I think for the very first time, I'm concerned about being all in. And that's an uncomfortable place to be. So, very. Yeah. Very. Yeah. So, so, so and we're just. That balance. While we're floating on a raft in the middle of the sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looking for land, right? <laughs> yeah. Kind of the way it is, right? Yeah. You know, one yeah. of the things I was hoping for in all of this, and, I, and I'm not saying that it can happen, but as we move back into normal, that it would be an improved normal where there would be more respect for time, Mm -hmm. more respect for boundaries. I fear that because of the digital technology age that we're in, that that, those boundaries and that respect, it's blurred even more. You know, we're available pretty much 24 seven 
expected to be available pretty much 24 seven. And I wonder how, once we get back into more of a live world, how we're going to bridge that, Mm -hmm. how we're going to manage that. My sense is in a year after the pandemic has passed, it will be like it never happened. And we will be on a fast course like we were. I hate to say that, but that's my sense of people. You know, we forget very quickly. Remember after 9-11, how warm and wonderful people were for a very short amount of time? That was lovely. <laughs> Could we get that back without the 9-11 part? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> yeah. You know, I will say that I think getting into people's homes um, is not something that we will forget. Mm. Um, we've seen each other's pets and each other's husbands and each other's decor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we've, we may be surprised at the depth maybe of our relationships due to the things that we've learned over a long period of time. I hope we don't forget that. And something tells me that really we won't. I hope not. There's an intimacy. Yeah. Yes. I like that. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. We shouldn't let this this conversation go without talking about what we did last year, because it it really, at the time, nobody was doing it, right? You were the first. And we picked, after some consternation, we picked the right person. And that was when Denise invited us to work with her and bring Jay Leno to her meeting. And uh, I have to say it was, I continue to say it was a phenomenal success, but I have to say that's because of all the things that we do to make sure that we're aligning the artist with the right audience and the, the way that we work together to make that happen. Do you want to give your impression of what that was like for you as a, as a planner? I do. Um, It was, and I wrote this to you um, on New Year's Eve. It was the highlight of 2020. Um, It was, it was truly in a year of chaos. Uh, I remember the date. It was June the 11th. I remember, I remember everything about it and maybe because the world was just so bizarre uh, on June the 11th and leading up to it um, that it was a place of almost comfort because it did check all the boxes of things that exhilarate and excite me um, was fear of oh my god what are we thinking (laughs) of bringing people together for a shared experience that we were so desperate for and on top of everything was the bringing together people for laughter and in a company that I love uh, in a job that I love in people that I love to work with to bring them together for a shared experience of of joy for a half an hour was so compelling to me that we just, we had to do it. And thankfully, uh, really Anthony, 
you checked off the boxes of, you know, the fear factor that I knew that you were going to make it happen. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, oh, that was, it was so frightening, but so, so exciting. And, and really, Anthony, your advice of that Jay Leno was the right person at the time for the audience. Uh, he's kind. We knew that he was uh, going to be sensitive to a global audience. And when our event happened, um, which I remember well, the, uh, the George Floyd incident was just a couple of weeks before. So to have Jay Leno was not a risk. Uh, we knew that he could handle that situation uh, with grace and carry on. And we did not have to be concerned. Um, doing the dry runs with Jay and his team uh, was critically important. And um, he just is, was just a fine gentleman as we expected. And um, just, a, just, just a thought that just takes me back to, you know, we were being professional, but Anthony and I got on the phone with Jay Leno and I was on my cell phone. <laughs> I remember it. And Anthony and I are cool as a cucumber. And Anthony was fine because he deals, you know, works with with, with stars. I do not. <laughs> Still a little fear that comes up in my esophagus. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, we got off the phone with him. And then I was, Anthony just let me scream. <laughs> anyway, it was it was joyful. Um, so, so to go back to the experience, um, what I'm most grateful for was that we engaged the audience. So we, we let Jay Leno do his thing that he is so good at. Um, he did a monologue. It was appropriate and funny and light um, and silly. And um, he got all dressed up for it in his garage. And he made sure it was the best experience. And he had mm -hmm. never done a virtual event before. So it was all of us really having the same fear, mm -hmm. but also having the same faith in each other mm -hmm. that we were going to do this no matter mm -hmm. what. Um, and then after the, the monologue, um, we opened it up to a Q&A and we had selected customers ahead of time. So we knew um, that they were comfortable but what I loved is that Jay did not ask for the questions that the customers were going to ask him. So it was very authentic. Mm -hmm. um, it was not too long. They each asked a couple of questions. Jay was able to answer them. And um, afterwards, the customers, it, it was just so much joy because it worked, first of all. <laughs> it was like, oh, my goodness. And it was. Uh, and then the customers wrote that it was the best experience of their life. So our wish for, for joy and, um, you know, uplifting experience for our customers was every box was checked. Um, and it was just, a, just an amazing, amazing experience that I would do again in a minute. I, I, and I would highly recommend it. I would too in a second. And I have not had an opportunity since we did it in June, believe it or not, because uh, 
I still think he is one of the few who do it well because he's an everyman. He connects with people. There are yeah. no uh, issues with you know, attitude or, you know, impatience. He's so lovely and easy and accessible. And I'm, I'm so glad. And for you to have that experience as somebody in my field, that's what I dream for. I, I don't want to just make sure that your attendees have a good time. I want to make sure you're not having your hair fall out over this experience of having a headliner come and be in your meeting because that's not always easy. And the fact that you were joyful as well and didn't have to sweat it out, for me, that's where the money is. And that's why Jay is such a great option because so few of them get it. We are now invited to all these concerts. We, we've seen uh, Three Doors Down, we saw Daughtry. And because now this virtual concert is becoming a phenomenon, right? but I can't seem to get it through the heads of the agencies that that is not what our people want. The concert's great, but what they need is the engagement. Sit in the living room with, with somebody of, you know, a rock star. If they're in their living room, sitting there playing a few tunes and talking, that's worth more than this fully produced concert. Maybe you'll help me with that, Denise, and scream it out again to the world. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It, the the engagement it truly is critical. And you mentioned it actually again this year. Um, and and funny enough, uh, not only was it your first time, my first time, uh, you know, Jay Leno's first time, it was also the uh, virtual event company V Fairs that we work with. It was their first right. time as right. well. Right. So. You know, and we just, I think we all handled it um, very, very well. And mm -hmm. funny, when we reached out to them again this year, uh, we, we really enjoyed working with them. And the first question they had was, are you going to have someone famous again? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know what that was. You know, what's so nice to see is that because when you have those first, they're, they are fraught with fear. It's so nice to see the giddiness. It, this, it, that's, the, that's the best word I can come up with. It's a giddiness. It's a sheer delight on your end, on the production yeah. company's end, on mm -hmm. Anthony's end. I mean, I remember we just, we got that message. Do you remember that, Anthony? Oh, yes. When Jay called. And oh, yes. I still I, have it on my computer. I, so do I. I saved it. <laughs> he called and he was so, it was just a quick little message and it was so delightful. And I thought, this is a really nice human being mm -hmm. you could just hear it yeah. in his voice yeah. so you just know that overall that joy just went through every vein of the event and it is it's lovely to see it's lovely to hear you recount it definitely thank you thank you I, and and i will say um we also did select um our chief revenue officer who has and i think this is actually a really critical mm -hmm. piece please of yes. the whole puzzle is he, I have such respect for him. He wakes up and comes to work every day with joy, optimism, and gratitude. And at first I was like, well, for five days while well, you're first working here, like sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's crack that open and see what really is there. Right? That's right. And it really and truly, he comes to work 
every day and expects his employees to come to work with joy, optimism, and gratitude. So when we had an opportunity um, really to get MyTel involved and, and to be part of the, the show, really, um, there was absolutely no question that he was the right person as he fit um, the core values of what the experience was going to be. And I really think that that is something that um, can't be underestimated. Um, if your CEO is not the right one, don't have the CEO just because, make sure that the person that's your host fits into the experience. Mm -hmm. Personable, um, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And was able to draw out the uh, those that we asked to ask questions uh, and keep it light and moving along. Uh, it was incredible. That's you're so right. That point can't be ignored because yeah. all of the all of the celebrity you can throw at it wouldn't help if you had somebody who doesn't know how to carry it along. Um, Maybe we'll get a chance to do that again with Scott. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Absolutely. Uh, to that end, we're working on some things. Uh, still working on some things. Before you go, it's late yeah. in it's it's late in Canada right now. And Denise is with us. She's probably hungry as hell, waiting for dinner. So one <laughs> little game, 10 this or that okay. questions. I basically oh, I know this game. Okay, great. <laughs> great. All right. So there's only 10 of them. Now our rules might be a little oh, different. No. <laughs> what we okay, might... we played this today. <laughs> we did, but we may be able to um, give you. We're going to extend our rules a little bit. You get one both. You don't have to say this or that. You can say both, and you get one okay. neither. Oh, good. Okay. okay. Don't get <laughs> one of each. I'm a okay. funny duck. <laughs> I know you get one neither. Okay. Okay. Sweet or salty. Both. Oh, right off the That's bat, the she misses yeah. the both. And there was no hesitation there. She was, she knew. you knew. So now I, I'm going to have to ask you two number twos, cupcakes or cookies? Cookies. Chips or pretzels? Oh, chips. Yes. You're my girl. You're my girl. <laughs> okay, beef bourguignon or steak tartare? Neither. Okay, that's used up. Butters or spreads? Oh, butters. Of course. <laughs> White or red? Are you talking wine or mm -hmm. color? Or anything. Anything. Wine is what I had in mind. Yeah, white. Okay. Otherwise, if I said color, you'd have said those are bad options. <laughs> Not all we got. <laughs> yeah. Uh, skiing or hiking? Uh, I guess hiking, because I can't say neither. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling about that one because we, we were talking about that. And I'm not sure about that. All right. So hiking, because somebody forced you to, because you can't say neither. Brains oh, yeah. or brawn? Brains or brawn? Brains. Fallon or Kimmel? Oh, no question. Kimmel. Mm. Every night. Mm, I know. <laughs> Baths or showers? Oh, showers. And last one, Paris or Rome? Paris. 
with I've been with you, Anthony. <laughs> yes, you have. I've been with you and your and your son. As a matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> Denise, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so so much. Delighted to have this conversation. Yeah. Delighted to have your insight. People need to hear it. People need to know how thoughtful you are in your approach because that's the way it needs to be done. You know, you know, your clients, you, uh, you're inside their head as much as you can be. You're asking the right questions and you're successful because of that. And, uh, I just thank you for coming on and joining us. Thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun and, uh, really it's joy at the end of the day. Oh, yay. Same for us. Wow, that was really incredible to have Denise Desjardins from Mitel with us. Uh, she is the planner for the Mitel user group, and we have worked together on several occasions. And her style is just impeccable uh, when it comes to knowing her audience and uh, not just from uh, an empirical sense, but knowing them with her heart and her soul and um, planning from those devices, if you will. She's always on target because she knows how to think about an event and how to ask all of the questions. Thank you again, Denise, for coming on. We, uh, it was a nice long interview, so we're not going to saddle you with anything more except to ask you to find us where you find all your podcasts. And if you're on Apple podcast, please give us a five-star rating. That's not one, two, three, four, but five stars please. Okay. I did my bidding. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, Alex, any last words? Go out and have a great day. I know since we are in the first Monday of spring that I'm going to go for a hike. Good for you. Yep. The I'm going to get out and get some sunshine. Yes. Cause it's going to be up for another couple of hours. Yep. Super please, excited. please, please, please find us where you find your podcast and don't forget to leave us a note. If you go to Bellatified. Uh, that's at Bellata.com. Just look for the Bellatified tab. All right. Till next time. Peace Bye -bye. out. Hi, Anthony. It's Jay Leno. Uh, just calling with a couple of questions. I'll try again.